welcome, and uh, as has already been said, a happy Mother's Day. Thank you to the band as well uh, for a spectacular time with us there. My name's Christian, and I should be, um, I'm pastor of the church, I shall be giving the message today. And the first thing I want to say thank you, a huge thank you to you all for being such a welcoming church. I'm just getting so much feedback, um, so much positive feedback about how welcoming you guys are. It is lovely to hear, absolutely lovely, and it's down to each and every one of you and the genuine love that you guys are showing to people coming in on Sundays and throughout the week. Dear me, the nest is bulging at the seams at the moment for people that want to get in. Um, and that, again, is down to the, the sheer testament of hard work and love. Love, really, is what's going on in, in so many of these places um, there. So anyway, what is the vision of the church? Let's go back straight to that. Let's go to Dean. I always go to Dean. No one's there. Go on. Intentionally building community. And what does that mean? That's wonderful, isn't it? Definition of an orange. It's an orange. Right. Intensely build a community. And so you said what? Making friends. That's different. I've never heard that, but that's very good. That's actually very good. All right. Again, again the word community keeps coming up. What is the, what is, who are our community? All right. <laughs> Fair enough. So fortunately for us, fortunately for us, uh, Jesus actually started teaching into our vision. Isn't that nice of him? Just in case you're interested, he told a parable about it. And we are going through the book of Luke, and he started talking about intentionally building community. Well, a bit, anyway. So, we'll have a look at this, and we'll see how it's going. Are, are you all all right, by the way? I've not asked. Yeah, you're feeling it today. <laughs> Shall I ask you again? Are you feeling it today? Yeah, all right, okay, a little bit, anyway. Okay, so yes, Jesus um, is um, asked a question. This is Luke 10, verse 25. Um, very, very um, famous parable. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. We'll go through it now. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. What is written in the law? Jesus likes to ask, answer a question with a question, doesn't he? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured oil on and wine on him. Then the man put, then he put the man on his own donkey, sorry, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra ex expense you may have. 
So, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, what do you reckon? Sister Maris. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So it's probably, it's not the most famous, but it's probably one of the most famous parables that he told. And a stranger falls down, well, a stranger is basically left helpless and for dead uh, when his own people just disdain him and forsake him. They just leave him alone on the, uh, on the roadside and just ignore his sufferings. Uh, and those who ignore those people as the Levites and priests, they're the holiest of the holies, they're the religious people of the day. And the stranger is a Samaritan, and they're the people that the Jews hated. Okay, just for the, for the backdrop of this story, um, it's Man United versus Liverpool. Well, that's no reference to you guys at all. But anyway, they didn't like him very much. <laughs> Go off, people, very quickly, Dean. <laughs> I forgot about that until then. Now I'm going to struggle. Anyway, um, so the Holy Soul, the, 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 is it, the Samaritan is a man who is hated by the Jews. Uh, they're, they're half Jews, um, basically, is, the, is, is part of the situation. But he's the guy that shows compassion. He's the guy that comes along and says, right, okay, I'm going to do something for you. And he puts him on his donkey, and Jesus ends with this, go and do likewise. Go and look after. Go and do exactly what this Samaritan person did in this story. And every single time I usually read this, I read it from the angle that we're instructed to love people more. Yeah? Isn't it? Go out and do some good loving. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. But if you look at the language of this parable, there is another angle on this parable to explore. And the first angle on all of this is that we're first invited to see the man who's lying on the floor, half dead and with no money, as ourselves. And there's a reason for this. Because as we do, the parable takes on a completely new life. Where did the man get his help from? Was it the priest? Was it the Levites? Or was it the Samaritan? Obviously, we all know the answer. He doesn't get anything from the religious people at all. The religious people walk past him. It was the Samaritan who had compassion. It's that word compassion actually translates exactly to me something along the lines of moved in his bowels with pity, which is nice, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't use it very often in normal language. But it is only ever used of Jesus in all of the parables, in all of the New Testament. That compassion there, in all of the Gospels, sorry, is only ever used of Jesus. That's interesting. That Jesus and the Bible actually put that word in. A word that only gets thrown onto Jesus is used in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So what's being said here is that Jesus is the person, first of all, who's showing compassion. Jesus is the person, first of all, showing a complete and utter sense of unconditional mercy. And we are the person that's lying, half dead, wretched, desperate, in need of help. Unable to move, barely surviving. Religion has been of no use whatsoever to us. And this person, this stranger, comes along and identifies with this man. He doesn't ask what this person can offer him, because this person can give him nothing. He's got no money. He's got nothing at all whatsoever. But... He comes near. He takes pity. He heals. He carries. He cares. And he pays for it all. 
It's the gospel. It's the gospel of grace. There and then, as the parable of the Good Samaritan, it is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus comes near to us first. He pays the full price for our fall. He pays the full price, cleansing us and healing us and making us whole. He restores relationship between two people that would never, ever, ever have had it. Amen? That's starting to make sense. He takes us from death to life. He takes us from a place where we are barely able to survive to a fresh hope. Where the world has beaten us down, he's given us a second chance. A new life where we have power to overcome. So first, and first of all, we are invited to be in the shoes of the man who's on the floor. We are invited to be the man who's been beaten up and then experience the compassion of the loving Savior. And only from a place where we've experienced the love of that Savior are we to then go and do likewise. This is really, really important that we understand it because it's not a simple morality tale. It is not a, here's how to be a really good moral person. Go out and do lots and lots of loving things. It's not that story at all. It is a completely, it's, well, the center of it isn't about morals. The center of it is about Jesus. Jesus is bang in the middle of the whole of the parable. Even though he doesn't mention his name, he's right in the middle of the whole of this. The center is Christ himself. The love that Jesus is talking about in this parable is his love working through us. Amen? Yeah. That's what he's saying. Go and do likewise. Go and love people with the love that I am working through you. This love is a love that perseveres. This is a love that blesses. This is a love that gives. This is a love that prays. This is a love that is committed. This is a love that is faithful and unconditional. It is the most powerful force on the planet. It melts hearts. It warms people to the gospel. It moves people to love others. This love casts out all fear and it brings peace. This love never, ever fails. And this love moves this stranger to action. It rescues and it heals. And this love is Jesus. And it lives inside of us right now. This love lives inside of you. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives inside of me. That love lives inside of us right now. Whether you can feel it or not, that love lives inside of you. Jesus lives inside of us. Whether we can feel him or not, that is the situation. And because that is the fact, we can make a difference to the people around us. We can see people saved. We can see people discipled. We can see hearts changed for Jesus. We can see people healed. We can see people restored. Amen? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Because that's what we want, isn't it? Yeah, good. Just checking we're all on the same page there. That's very good. Since the start of this year, we've seen four people that have given their lives to Jesus. That's exciting. This is good. Um, and we've seen real and lasting change in people's lives where God's spirit is breaking out, where God is bringing healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's been an absolute wonder to pray, pray for people in all sorts of ways to see 
changes that I'll not mention specifically right now, where responses to words of knowledge where people have changed their lives and changed and seen their lives have massive breakthrough, and it's very, very exciting. And we'll get more of those testimonies up in the near future. But people are having real breakthroughs. The God's spirit is moving in people's lives in a very, very exciting way. God's on the move. And it is very, very, very exciting when you start to see people's lives starting being changed and turned around. The love of God, the power of God that lives inside of us does incredible things. It empowers us to love and persevere with the most difficult and arrogant people that there are in the world. Most ungrateful people. I'm not looking at you. You just make an eye contact at that point. Okay? <laughs> but that's the thing. I, got, I, I was preparing this this week, and I got a phone call. Wrong number it was. Is Jeffrey there? My name's not Jeffrey. There's no one called Jeffrey in the house. Is Jeffrey there? Um, I said, no, sorry, you've got the wrong number. Oh, is that not 8577? I said, no, sorry. It's, it's, you know, you just go. I was being polite. I was being very, very polite. Got a wrong number. And, um, and she's going, oh, I just thought he was. No, no, Jeffrey's not here. I'm, I'm sorry. And then she put the phone down on me. So I won't force have a wonder. I didn't. I didn't really. You look, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. But it isn't it easy to love people that we like? Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's very easy. If people are being nice to you, it's very easy to love them back. The people that are being irritating, the people that you're finding difficult, we need Christ's love working in us, don't we? Yes, we need Christ's love in us so that we can push through on those people and that we can allow him to do that love. Because it's pretty hard to love people that are not easy to love, I would say. It's pretty hard to love people that are arrogant or are horrible, whatever your weakness is. I, arrogance was always mine at school. If there was an arrogant student, I would always struggle with those the worst, actually. I was all right with the characters. It was the arrogant ones. It's, it's difficult. You've all got your weaknesses. You've all got your weaknesses. And you know what they are straight away when I can see you smiling going, yeah, yeah, I would punch that person. But you shouldn't, apparently. So it says in the Bible, don't punch. It's one of the commandments I've read. <laughs> the message that I'm giving today isn't, please listen, it isn't, let's try and love really, really hard. The message is not that at all. 1 John 4 verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. Yes, it looks like we're supposed to love really, really hard. But then it says, why? For love comes from God. The message is all about allowing God's love to flow through us. And this is really important. If I, if I left you at a place where I'm saying, right, go out and do loads and loads of love. Go out and love people in loads and loads of ways. You'd do really well for a couple of days, and then you'd fail because it would be too difficult. It would be like, I can't do this. It's just too hard. Yeah, you need the power of God in you. We all need the power of God in us. We all need the love of God flowing through us. And if we get hold of that side of the message, because that's the gospel. The gospel is it's Jesus in us that does it. Okay? That's why it's good news. It's not Jesus has saved us to do a whole load more standards that were harder than the, lot, the last lot. It's that Jesus in us actually empowers us to love people. Jesus in us actually empowers us to, I mean, the two top commands which we read there, love God with all your heart and love others. I mean, that's pretty hard, isn't it? It's not easy, anyway, to do it all the time. 
and the Great Commission make disciples, those are things that are not that naturally done all the time by me. I'll be honest with you. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that it's Jesus in us that does those things, and we need to literally change our mindset on this and think it's not me trying, it's me trusting in him flowing through us. This week, I was, I'll be honest, I was working at full speed. I don't know how, I think I'd got through about 50 hours in the first four days, um, or even more, I don't know. But I ran out of steam, I'll be honest. And um, I'd got tired. You know when, it is, when you're tired and you're low on energy, it's a lot harder to love people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah? People get irritated. It's a lot easier to get irritated with people when, when, when you're just a lot more tired with life generally. Energy is low, and, and when, I, when I'm like this, I just, praying is harder, reason everything is harder. Everything becomes really, really difficult, and I'm busy, and I've got a whole load of stuff that I need to do as well. And in the middle of all of that, God spoke one phrase, and it turned everything around. One phrase was this, rest in my love, and that was it. But it changed everything around, rest in my love. As I did, my behavior didn't change. All the changes that took place went on the inside. Instead of forcing myself through gritted teeth to try and do what was right, instead of forcing myself to try really, really hard to do the right things, instead of being that person where I'm going, God bless you, like that to everyone I didn't like, Inside, instead of duty, I was doing things joyfully. Does that make sense? By resting in the love of God, by pausing in his presence, by spending time drinking it in, I then changed from the inside out. My motives and motivations changed. This is the message of the gospel here in the parable of the Good Samaritan, that literally we are invited to Love the way Jesus loved. And we can't do that until we are enjoying the love that comes from God, as he is love himself. Amen? So God's love in me changed me from the inside out again. So it's important. Let's pause in his presence. Let's rest and let's receive the love of God because we need to before we can give it away. You can't, we can't give away the love of God if it's not inside of us. You can try and take a good behavior, but it won't be the same. He is the source of love. He is love, and as we enjoy his love, it changes us completely. We're called to love God. We're called to love others. And when we're filled with God's love, it changes our relationships. It changes our marriages. It changes our family lives. It changes everything around us. God's Love is literally the oil that makes our relationships flow better. Amen? Yeah? The more we're soaked in his love, the more we naturally love, the more the engine of love inside of you, if you're an engineer, will lubricate better. I had a wonderful video to show you, but my wife thought it would only work with the lads, so I just left it. It was really good. <laughs> but when we're not, when we're not filled with his love. When we're running on empty, then things become much more frictious. There's a lot more friction in relationships. When we're not pausing in his presence, when we're not spending time just dwelling in his love, then there's just more conflict. 
There's more times where we're having to find that we're sparring against one another in whatever relationships that there are. You have got less grace to the kids. You've got less time for people. It just becomes one of those things. And all it is, is it's about pausing in his love. Pausing in his love. Because his love propels us to action. His love propels us to mission. And this is important. We've not even really touched on this yet. All we've talked about is why it's good for our souls. But actually, above and beyond everything, the parable of the Good Samaritan is about mission as well. It's about going out and doing something and making a difference in other people's lives. It's to tell others about Jesus. If we're full of the love of God, you're full of the desire to go out and tell people what has made a difference in your life. The people I come across who, who actually, personality-wise, are not the most outgoing, uh, but are more filled with God's love, are the people that tend to talk about Jesus' love more. And I find that absolutely liberating. They go out and they just want to tell everybody how amazing Jesus is because they're so full of his love. And they do make a huge difference in this world. And the more we are just soaking in his presence, the more that that will make a huge difference. This love actually spreads out. If God is love, think about this, right? If God is love, if that's a true statement, and we're saying that it is, if God is, is there, genuinely, purely, unconditional love, then if we go out and love people the way that Jesus says to do it, they experience God himself. Yeah? God is love, love is God. Are we happy with that? If you love somebody, if they experience the love of God, they experience God. You can go out and make a difference in people, that, that people can actually experience God as you just unconditionally love somebody. And they will come across and they will, they will go, what? You know, they will be touched by God and they won't even know about it. I've told you the story before, ages about where uh, someone was full of a, of a cold at work and um, I took some work off. I think he had to do a break time duty and I said, you know, I'll do, I'll do your break time duty. Just love, just out of love. That was all it was. Out of love. And at the end of the break, he was healed. He just got healed. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it, when you think about it? That doesn't make sense. He couldn't shut up about it. He was full of a cold at 10.30, and at 11 o'clock, it had just gone. God's love impacts people, all right? It makes a difference. It does. It's good. That's really good news. You know, you'd have to believe me if you don't. It did happen, honestly. He never shut up about it for ages. I shouldn't do it after that. But no, seriously, it was good. And it's because God's love is so important. It's God's love is so powerful. It's because God's love is the essence of the whole gospel. It's because God's love is what we're supposed to be motivated by, what we're supposed to be full of, is that we can't go around and love others without it. Can we? Yeah, we can't intentionally build community without the love of Jesus flowing through us. Yeah, I mean, we can try, and we can do the behavior and the structure, but it won't mean anything. It becomes a clanging symbol. It's just empty, and it's, it's, it's rubbish. And so that's really why love has to be the center of absolutely everything that we do. And when it's not, it's really straightforward. We come back to resting in his love, resting in his presence, resting in his grace. If you find yourself ever lost in your Christian walk, come back to resting in his love. And that there will always be open to you. It's the first place 
It's where we have to start. We have to start in rest. It's the first thing Adam did when he was created. He was created on day six. What happens on day seven? He rested. There's a reason for that. The first thing we have to do is rest if we're going to do anything. We rest in his presence. We rest in his love. And out of that place, then, we are filled to go out and make a difference. We're filled to proclaim Jesus. We're filled to see people change. 